Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to What Do You Say Anime, I am your host Peter. On today's episode, I will be reviewing the recently wrapped up 2022 anime and giving my thoughts and ratings on what was one of, if not the best season of anime of all time. Normally how this works is I have a co-host or two with me, but because Miles had to be selfish and have a healthy newborn baby with his lovely wife, I will be running solo today. Usually we do a handful of shows and discuss... But because it's just me, I will be writing down every show that I finished in a condensed review of each show. Hopefully this isn't format isn't permanent, but I still want to give you my thoughts and share to y'all my ratings on this recently wrapped up season. So without further ado, let's jump into the first show. Get your brooms ready because it's about to sweep everything. We got Bochi the Rock. Bochi the Rock was a show that came out of absolutely nowhere where its manga was... In the average range, I think on its mouse score it was like somewhere in like the 7.5 range. But what Cloverworks did to visually interpret Bochi's stress level and anxiety and all of this incredible just nuances that she runs into into a comedic effect was some next level stuff, to be honest. I thoroughly enjoyed this anime from start to finish. The cast of characters really drove home what the narrative was trying to get with this Bochi trying to break out of her social anxiety and really be the extrovert that she wants to be, and the cast supporting her along the way, along with their hijinks. I really enjoyed the music in this, the OP done by the band, which, by the way, their entire names were based off Asian Kung Fu Generation, which I thought was a fantastic touch to this homage to Japanese like J-Rock or J-Pop Rock, and incorporate that into the story you saw these little easter eggs throughout the story of bochi that really if you saw them to me it adds another level to the story and i really enjoyed that aspect of it um to me this is also one of the funniest if not the funniest animes all year i gut laughed at a couple of the just random scenarios that they put themselves into whether it was episode three where Bochi is having this existential crisis about being popular online and using Instagram and being, she even calls herself this attention whore, like my post type of thing, and she's in the form of Godzilla giving thumbs ups, to their interactions just outside of their band as well, where Bochi and her circle seemed a little bit more comfortable, but when they went to, say, their first performance where she had to play in a mango box... Or when they go to, like, after dinner and she's having social anxiety on what to order. I thought how they handled that in the manner that they did was just honestly some next level stuff. I just loved Bochi the Rock. The background arc, art, music, cast and characters were just everything above what I was expecting. When you see a cute girls doing cute things show... I think some people have some pre-notions of going into it of what they're expecting. And I was in that boat as well. I thought that this was going to be K-On, thought this was going to be Bang Dream, something along those lines where we are getting something very basic of girls wanting to start band and then do band things. But, I mean, credit where credit's due, Cloverworks took this to another level, and that's what good animation studios do. You see that with something like Ufotable, with Demon Slayer, where if you look at the Demon Slayer manga, its art is good, but it's not, like, breathtaking. And then what Ufotable does in making Demon Slayer the flashy, polished, 
battle shonen that it is is next level and that's what cloverworks did with with this and honestly cloverworks has just been killing it all year you'll see that with spy family we saw that at parts even with my dress up darling that they are becoming this new they've always been a good studio but now they're taking properties like this and really showing what the artsman can do in this field and to me that's something that can't go unrecognized because that's just how good i mean that's just that's what separates like the perros well actually perro killed this this season with bleach but that's what separates the doga kobos from the ufoldables to the Kyoto Annie's and stuff like that. Just the level of craftsmanship in animation that Cloverworks had on this entire thing was just, just, just so well done. It's, it's. I think if you're on social media, if you're on Discord or something like that, you saw Bochi just blow up in prop popularity with the various uh, Annie tubers or just celebrities in general within this sphere, just talking about how this show came out of nowhere and just took the world by storm, which was crazy because we got shows like mob chainsaw man, bleach spy family. And to me, the most talk, maybe the second most talked about show this season was Bochi the rock. So want to give credit where credit's due. I love this show from start to finish. I was thoroughly entertained. I thought the music was great, the animation was great, the cast was incredible. We have enough content for a second season, so I'm really hoping it gets greenlit so they could really get in on the Bochi train now, and I don't want the hype to die down type of thing. We saw that on the Oricon manga sales that Bochi the Rock sold somewhere in the 200,000 range, which is a very good number for a style of show like this because that type, this type of show doesn't really sell particularly well in manga so seeing 200,000 sales in a month is wonderful so cash in now please Cloverworks give me second season of Boshi Rock I'm giving this show a 10 I thought it was one of the best shows this entire year I I'm hoping maybe down the road we can do it for like manga club where we can go in depth for an hour and talk about the different things that we liked about Boshi but because I'm doing this in condensed uh maybe like five minutes ish per show I want to give Boshi not only my 10, it is my anime of the season, which is crazy because I have mob tattooed on my arm and mob aired this season. Uh, it was just an enjoyable ride. I loved it. Uh, 10 out of 10 for Bochi. Speaking of having people tattooed on my arm, we have Mob Cycle 100 Season 3, which was everything I wanted minus one half of an episode. I want to talk about this before, about how mob structures its storylines throughout its season and this coming of age tale of mob. So season one mob has this idea of changing himself for somebody else. And then throughout season two, you see that he is changing himself for himself. And then season three, where we get the finalized is accepting who he is and not changing for anybody else. Uh, the rejection at the end where Mob comes to terms with who he kind of is as a person. This driving force of why he was trying to not only get in shape, but try to act cooler. At the end of the day, that wasn't the stuff that um, Tsubame was like looking for in Mob. She was looking for Mob as a friend 
And I think we saw that all come together at the end where Mob accepted that it was more about the friendship and the relationship with her than the entire, you know, the romantic interest that he had and came to terms with that and accepted it. And I thought that was just incredible. But with that out of the way, talk about like the really good things with Mob. I loved Dimple this season. I thought it was a huge step up from previous forms where he was more of a comedic side character to Mob and really show something great with his character and still having a corruption side to him, but also having the deep heart that he has with Mob. And to me, that's something I didn't see coming for the third season, and I'm really glad that we did because what Mob does really well is showcasing other people other than Mob as like as a, a driving force for the narrative. Dimple really just stood out this season. Reagan at the end, I thought was incredible. And also, um, Terazuki, uh, trying to stop Mob when he was going on his rampage, I thought was also like going back from season one where he was this jock bully kid at the middle school to kind of getting humbled by Mob to now being. Mob's friend, and I really enjoyed how he was picking out clothes for Mob and kind of clowning on him, but not in like a bullying way. It's like you know when you have like really good friends that you'll be like, yeah, man, you should totally wear that, knowing that that's exactly not what they should wear. I thought that really shined a light on their friendship and just a wonderful, just a wonderful cast this season, just fleshed out and full. Um, the club members got their own shine. In the beginning, I said that I liked it all except for one half of an episode where the alien stuff happened. Uh, seemed very random. It didn't drive anything into the plot, really, and had some questionable moments. But that being said, I thought Mob was incredible. I, I thought it was the perfect ending to a series that is beloved to me. Um, I believe that just Mob is kind of like the staple of this coming-of-age character and then using multiple venues of solving issues. It's not just violence. It's not just using his psychic powers to overcome the enemy. A lot of the times it's him thinking through and talking it out and also using the cast to find out that answer in the story. So to me, Mob was perfect. I loved it. Minus one half of an episode. It's still getting a 10. Uh, I put it just under Bochi in terms of like my ranking for the season, but it was an enjoyable ride. I love Mob Psycho. It's one of the best series ever made. There's a reason why I have Mob tattooed on my arm. It was just everything I wanted and more. So a 10 out of 10 from Mob. Now for the most popular show this season uh, by a long shot. I'm really looking forward to talking about this. Chainsaw Man. We got Denji and the gang adapting about half of part one of the manga. I had some... Uh, Questions going into season one, just because I have read Chainsaw Man twice, just to confirm my feelings with this series, because it is so widely beloved, it is so widely discussed, and to me, Chainsaw Man is an average series, but that being said, I really enjoy part one of the story, and this is what we got adapted. I thought MAPPA did a very good job at animating and adapting some of the pacing issues that I had with this 
Uh, the Himino and Aki stuff I felt was way more drawn out and way more polished compared to the manga. Um, a big issue with my problems with the manga is the lack of dialogue that we can't, I can't really connect with characters because the manga panels are so short where it's not, I'm not getting in depth with what I'm looking for. Where in the anime, they need time to fill out the episode, which is an inserted with dialogue. And I thought they did a great job at doing that in the anime. So props to like, Mappa establishing the connections better than I thought than with the with the manga. Uh not a whole lot of negatives to say about Chainsaw Man. There were two instances of layering animations that I that I found jarring. One was during the uh Infinity Devil in the hotel, and the other one was during the Bat Devil fight, where you can clearly tell that they drew two different layers on top of each other and then just paste them on top. And it looked clunky where there's parts where like Denji's running up the bat devil and his feet aren't touching anything. That that was like a little odd, but for the most part, the animation was stunning. The cinematography in this show was maybe the best of the year. I had it I think it's like the second best. I think Cyberpunk did a little bit better job. But there's just the scenes where at the end where Aki is like visiting the future devil and how they panned the camera to that. I thought stuff like that, that Chainsaw Man did was just like some next level stuff. I really enjoyed like the voice actors in this story minus Makima. I didn't feel the sinister energy that I felt when I read Chainsaw Man. I thought Powers VA was the best. Uh, Denji's English VA is so good that yes, the, the little goblin voice that he has. I'd be really interested in rewatching season one and getting my interpretation of Denji through the English dub compared to the Japanese one, but that was also perfectly fine. No issues there with his voice actor. Uh, really cool that we saw Chainsaw Man have 12 EDs. My personal favorite was number three. I thought that just was the chaoticness and metal and gore that Chainsaw Man brings. I think that's why I thoroughly enjoyed number three the most, but even stuff like visually the power one was really well done. The the Denji one where he's surrounded by dogs, I also thought was really well done. The one that and then there's another one where they use like real footage mixed with animation was a nice touch. So twelve EDs is always a huge plus. I mean we talked everyone talked about the OP when it blew up. I thought the references to these shows or these Western movies with Tarantino uh, obviously drew influence from Chainsaw Man to the story and was honestly an enjoyable OP, and you'll see it in the OP of the year, because with this and then Isekai Uncle, the references in the OP were some of the best that I've seen in anime to date. Uh, other than that, yeah, Chainsaw Man, I liked part one a lot. My issues with Chainsaw Man are in the next part, so thoroughly enjoyed this, had a good time, had a good run. I'm looking forward to seeing how MAPPA adapts the second part to see maybe they can fix some of my issues that I have with that, but we'll get to that when we get there. I'm going to give Chainsaw Man an 8. It was really well really well done, and I had a really good time watching it. Alright, we got the second part of Spy Family up next. I think the first part took the world by storm. The second part, not as hot. People weren't as hot on it compared to when we initially got it. And I'm a little confused because I love this part. I thought the tennis arc is one of my favorite sports tournament arcs in anime. I thought it was a little rushed. I think they knocked it out in like two and a half episodes where I was really hoping that this would be like an entire arc. Like each match would maybe be 
an episode and we kind of got that but not as much as i want but that's just like a personal thing i'm not going to knock it points for that because the impact of what they were trying to do was still there uh still lack of i know people were want more your and kind of like her role as a secondary character right now i will say going forward she is way more involved and i get i get the frustrations but to me, Spy Family is about the enjoyment of just what I'm listening to and what I'm watching. And, you know, Anya always makes me smile with her with her hijinks. We got introduced to Best Boy Bond. I love that Bond finally got introduced, and his character is so much fun. Bore for me. Just what I was looking for in Spy Family, I got. And that's pure enjoyment, pure fun. Overworks and wit knocked it out of the park, as always, with their animation. We I talked about it earlier with Bochi. Overworks being on this, you can see how much they've grown over the years as an animation studio. And Wit has always been a massive powerhouse in terms of animation. They're one of my favorite studios for a reason. Uh, yeah, I, I think some people also got drawn out into the middle parts where we got introduced to um, Fiona and felt that kind of dragged I think like the being started hot with the introduction introduction to Bond. The end started really the end was really good with the tennis arc. The middle was kind of drawn out to me. I still really enjoyed everything about Spy Family. As always, we had an incredible OP and ED. Spy Family is really showing their like they they really care about the music and the ambiance that they're bringing to this era that they're portraying. I thought Mix Nuts, Mix Nuts, there we go, was a better overall OP in general, but um, this new one was just great. If you listen to the lyrics, or if you read the lyrics, I think it adds a lot of emotion compared to the first one, which was way more fun. This one was about like being a family and coming together and realizing that coming home to what you have is what's important as well. As Lloyd, I mean, it's 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 kind of about Lloyd, but, um, you know, Lloyd devoting his life to being a spy and wanting to see children smile, and kind of forgetting himself in the process, and the OP really to me stood out where it was him being like, "Hey, it's okay that you can come home to this and smile and be happy as well. Like you don't have to sacrifice everything for everybody. You can be happy as well." So I really like that aspect of the OP. I thought that was really well done. That being said, I Spy Family to me is just pure enjoyment. That's what I'm bringing this on. I do think technically it is also incredible. I it not this part, but the last part had some of the best animation all year. I did think the tennis had some really good animation, but nothing that was going to like stand out compared to the mansion fight from part one. But Spy Family was enjoyable, and I loved it. I'm giving it a 10. It's one of my favorite, just, serotonin-boosting shows of all time. I just, I loved it. Next up, ooh, this one was spicy. Akiba Made War. So we got the Godfather mixed with Reservoir Dogs mixed with Maid Cafes. I don't know if this one's going to be that long of a review, so I'm just going to spitball off the top of my head about my thoughts on Akiba. Um, love the concept. I think... One thing that draws me into anime is just the absurdity that you can bring with these stories that a show like Akiba Made War can only be done in animation. And it's why I strive so much for shows like this to get um, eyes on it. Because if you're sick of watching the same thing, Akiba is 
something that hasn't really been done in anime. I'm trying to think because a lot we have had like crime dramas and mobster and yakuza style shows, but to the effect that they bring gang warfare as a comedic thing, I don't think has been done. So I want to give props to Akiba for that. Really love the cast. Best girl Ronko, obviously. I think a lot of people fell off when she got killed in episode 11 when I was also in the same boat. Uh, people, so kind of the reason why is that if it's stylized after Western mobster films, when somebody gets whacked, it's usually a higher impact, bigger drama, bigger setup type of thing. And I felt that the rushness and the kind of out of left field Ronco death was not handled the best. And to me, I do think that's a knock on the story because I think most people considered her one or two as rankings of best characters in the show. And to me, yeah, I, I knocked a point, but that's really only the negative I have about that. I loved the outlandish, just over the top combat that they had in the show. I liked the comedic moments that they always use like oinky doink and these, every cafe has like a, there's their pigs. They're like a pig cafe. So they use pig puns. The cafe used, or the cow cafe would use cow puns and then so on and so forth. I thought they made that a really simple way of me just enjoying and smiling throughout the entire story. Ah, uh, man, the OP was fantastic. Oh my God. What a wild OP. Just... <laughs> The the Moe Moe coons inside of the OP while they are just shooting people is just great. Um, one of I'm trying to think of how I would rate this, but just just an overall fantastic show. I I liked it from beginning to end with only one real knock on the story. The action was there. the 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 fun was there. the The characters were there. I loved everything about it. The manager was. <laughs> The manager was pretty fun as well. I liked her little not wanting to be there, but also at the same time being there for her staff was was really fun. So I'm looking at the show an eight. Had a really good time watching the show. Ooh, this one's spicy. More than a married couple, but not lovers. A show where I... I'm not going to say trash. Trash is the wrong word. I was very critical on the show. Yeah, let's go with critical. To the point where I fully caught up on the manga because I couldn't wait to see how this progressed because I was thinking that, that this show was going to be a series of unfortunate events and misunderstandings and that, that they would just continue to not progress. And I was kind of right, but it's a little bit better than most, I, will, I would say. I did like the concept of having a hard time understanding that you like more than one person at a time, which is a dynamic we haven't seen. And I compare this to the show like domestic girlfriend where you have the person in front of you versus the person behind the scenes and you having feelings for both of them. And I thought that was a really fun dynamic to this. Uh, I'm surprised that this isn't labeled. I mean, I get why it's not labeled as an etchy, but they really put Akari in provocative scenes and outfits to really drive home the fan service. And I think that's okay, but I do feel like it was done a little bit too much. I, I, I like, I got the point that Akari has huge tits and that 
he wears more than revealing clothing than I would say than the average person. Uh, that aside, I'm glad that we got some development, um, mostly with Akari, some with Jiro. I think that this show has a decent chance at getting a second season. I think it's pretty popular. Um, if if you're a fan of the show, I would I would suggest reading the manga. It has a pretty interesting twist that I didn't see coming. That it does, I would say okay, compared to most other rom coms like this. Um, I know it's a little different compared to most rom coms, but in in the in the style of rom coms, it has a very interesting twist that I that I enjoyed. Uh, however. This show, to me, I felt dragged a little bit at times. A lot of the episodes were samey, where we're getting to the point where Akari kind of can think for herself. Jiro has a really hard time un like expressing his feelings when it's obvious. And then Shiori, actually, I really like Shiori's character. Uh, I'm a big fan of, with her, with her, with her dynamic and how she handled the situation in the in the anime and I really like how she handles situations in the manga. She's probably my favorite character in this entire story. Even though she looks a little Mary Sue, I don't think that that's her character. So I was a big fan of that. But that being said, it wasn't as funny as I thought. I think a lot of the jokes were, you know, like Jiro, look at me and then, you know, she's wearing no clothes or the, like the otaku stuff with Jiro and his friend. I thought that was just a little formulaic and a little samey, but I will say I had fun watching the show. I'm going to give it a six. That was a, uh, just an enjoyable show for the most part. Next up. Oh, this show surprised the shit out of me. Reincarnated as a sword. I thought that this was going to be basic, basic, basic. And for the most part, I don't think it was. I really enjoyed Fran as a main character, as the driving force of her, of the narrative of the story, along with Shisho, the masters who is reincarnated as a sword, but also has like the properties of, of like an Esper slash ghost. Maybe he kind of has like ghost hands, whatever, like the elfin lead stuff. He's not like just a sword. So that was, I, I thought that was going to be a problem where he's just like a stoic character stuck as a sword, but he can do a lot more than just be a weapon. So I, I enjoyed that aspect. One thing that shocked the living hell out of me about this movie or about the show was how good the soundtrack was. I expected this show to be very generic, formulaic, um, isekai fantasy music. And it was like, I'm not going to say Lord of the Rings, so don't get me wrong, but that style Lord of the Rings does were more, um, orchestra heavy. It seemed like, like there's a lot more brass in the soundtrack where I thought that it felt, I felt that like it added to, especially the fight scenes in it, especially, I think it's in episode one or two where Fran first fights. There is just a, a song that's playing during the fight where I'm just like, this is going to be hyped as shit. Like what is happening here? Uh, yeah. So I want to give a huge props to reincarnated as a sword soundtrack because that's something that I really look forward to the little things in shows that like add it to like the next level for me. And the soundtrack is one of them. I also really liked how they handled the Amanda and Fran situation where I thought that it was going to be like an overly loving mother character who is obsessed with like small girls or something like that. Like a maybe a little pedo ish. And then we find out later in the backstory that 
Amanda was good friends with Fran's parents at some point. There's a chance that she's maybe even like a godmother type of character. And that's why Amanda really looked out for Fran, but without ever telling Fran herself. thought that was handled beautifully. Uh, just something I didn't expect from this show, because when you see something like reincarnated as a blank, I think people have their doubts, where you have outliers like Slime, which does stuff really well, like world building and characters. I think Sword kind of handled its writing and its technical abilities to a higher extent than what we see with most isekais. Fran being an adorable, funny, um, at points ruthless main character was a very nice change of pace. Um, maybe like not like Bofuri s style with Maple, but uh, just really a nice fleshed out character that you can be as a. I'm assuming she's like a 12 year old cat girl, something along those lines. You can only be so in depth at that point of your life, but like good backstory with Fran, good backstory with Amanda. Um, there's a couple things. I really hate the trope. This happened in like episode like seven where there's the, 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 when you're like overly evil to be evil with like no reason to do that. We saw that at like the bar scene and they confronted Fran and like wanted to fight her and stuff like that. And then everyone's just like, you're a douche. And it's like, yep. Yeah, you are. And then they get their ass beat and it happens in like everything. I hated that. I don't think I'm going to knock it for that, but it's a, it's a trope that we will see in a later show that I will be reviewing where just, just don't like that trope one bit. So that being said, reincarnated sword, very fun show. If you're a fan of these isekai style shows, I think that this was one of the best this year. I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna give it an eight. Uh, just, just a really solid isekai. This show next show was a show that took me a hot minute to get going, but when it did, I wanted so much more in a good way. Uh, Raven of the Inner Palace, a very show-don't-tell style of storytelling, especially in the beginning and understanding the plot, where we get the Emperor's backstory of how he became Emperor and why he became Emperor, but I thought that the Raven Consort character was not really shown in a way where I thought it was going to be and because of that I had a hard time really gravitating to this show but then once it picked up it picked up I I fell in love with I I'm so bad at saying her name um I'm just gonna say the Raven concert so I don't look dumb <laughs> but the Raven concert character to me, in the beginning, wasn't fleshed out enough to really, like, care, I would say, in a way. But as it developed, as we kind of get an idea of, like, what these other consorts do for the Emperor and in their palace, along with what she does, really made for, like, an interesting, like, mystery slash drama. I, it, it's a, it's a, I'm trying to, it, it kind of reminds me of, um... E.K. Monogatari from earlier this year, where we're set in like a uh, emperor castle style settings, while the main character at some points is the observer and at some points is the focal point of the story, and I really like that. It was 
it was fun seeing her kind of go around and figure out some of these issues that are happening in the palace while kind of having a, a developing a relationship with the emperor, whether where that goes, hopefully romantically, because I love that pairing, but even it's just even her as a character was having a hard time understanding what the ideal, like what a friend is. And she kind of, got that as we went along with it because of her growing up, seeing her mother die, kind of being put into this role, maybe not forcefully, but I don't know if this was the path she would have taken if her mother was alive. And just how that snowballed into a better and better story really resonated with me. I think that this show would have been better if we had 24 episodes instead of 12. It reminds me a lot of, this is going to be silly, but... Hopefully you can catch on my drift. Steinsgate, where the first nine episodes of Steinsgate are really developing the story and is slow and it's very show don't tell. And it, it takes you a while to like latch onto the characters, but then once it starts rolling, you are fully invested. That was me with Raven of the Inner Palace. By like episode eight, I was all in. I love this. Where it's a show where the beginning I think could have been handled a little bit better, but overall it became a story that I loved and I do wish more people like, like I can see why people would maybe drop it or put it on hold type of thing because of those earlier episodes. But man, the investment to this show was so well worth it. I'm gonna give the show an eight. I really enjoyed it. I hope that we get more down the road. I wish it wasn't a novel. If this was a manga, I would probably read it. Maybe the light novels will get adapted into a manga someday, but, um, for those who don't know, I can't read, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to read the light novel. But it was a really fun show, and I hope it gets the second season. Eight out of ten for Raven of the New Palace. Next up, ooh, love the show. Uh, Do it yourself. A show. If you are a slice of life snob like myself, you were really looking forward to this. Um, I was hoping for some form of like laid back camp, but instead of going camping, they build stuff. And I kind of got that for the most part. It was really enjoyable. I thought that some of the stuff that happened in the show dragged a little bit where I don't know if this show actually needed 12 episodes. I think you probably could have done this entire show in maybe eight or maybe a movie. But that being said, I love the cast. I love Jobco so much. Oh my God, I love Jobco. Her broken English and good job uh, stuff always made me smile. And then when we got the backstory later on of why she always says good job, I thought was a nice little touch that you probably didn't have to include if you didn't want to. It really gave me like a, some more backstory with her character. We got actually, to be honest, we got backstory on like every character except for... Um, the quiet girl, the Takaumi, the one who like built the sign outside, but I don't think she needed it. I, uh, the main girl and pudding their relationship, I thought was at points dragging a smidge, but I do like the resolution at the end that they finally putting being the tsundere that she is kind of put her pride aside and decided to be a good friend to, um, Sefru. Uh, I love the OP. I thought the visuals were really unique for this style of show. It was 
a little pastel-y. I, I really enjoyed that aspect of it. The cat girl was fun too. Like obviously I think the cat trope can be dragged out a little bit in different shows where they always end it with meow and have the cat face. But she was an overall fun character. I do wish that the octopus guy got a little bit more love. They really treated that AI bot like a like a tool. And that was my boy. Shout out to Octopus Boy. Um, I really enjoyed that. Sephiroth's mom is a low-key alcoholic and she's battling some problems along the side because her father's gone. But that was never addressed in the show, which was that was fun. We had a little conversation about that once, but yeah, lack of father figures in the show, except for uh, Ray, the club leader. Her father is running the department store that does the arts and crafts stuff. So, uh, do yourself really fun slice of life. Uh, it will be nominated for slice of life for the year. I don't think it's going to win, but I had a really good time watching the show. I'm gonna give it an eight. If you haven't checked it out, I would definitely recommend it if you're a slice of life fan. Next up, ooh, taming the final boss. This show I had pretty high hopes for, and it started off really well. However, the pacing in this show was Chainsaw Man manga levels, where I think we got through about four or five arcs in 12 or 13 episodes. And to me, that's kind of where I wish we had some more development between some of the other cast, uh, other than just Eileen, who is, oh, by the way, Eileen, just a fantastic main character. She was so much fun. And I do like that even if we didn't get um, more side character love, that at least the main character is fun and good. And I like her aspirations and her drive and her love for for the Demon King that she's engaged to. Just a, it's a good, just relaxing show where I was thinking that it might be like villainous, but it wasn't like a harem, which was fun. But, like, the fact that they get, like, engaged in, like, episode two was, like, really out of left field. And I think some people are going to be drawn off by that and some people are going to really enjoy that because you have the levels of 12 episodes of, a say, a rom-com and they barely, like, hold hands or something like that. Or in this, it's like they're engaged, like, immediately and by the end of it, they're married. So, some people are going to like that. I did like that at the end. It's just more of the stuff in between. Some of like the other, um, I'm not gonna say non-important, but I mean, you had like the focal point of the main character and the main characters, but everything else in between I felt was like lacking and just done way too fast. I wish they pumped the brakes. They could, I think they could have filled some of these arcs in. And if this was like a two core, I think that it would have been a better job at handling some of this pacing issues or, but if they got allocated one core and they wanted to get to the marriage part, I get it. Maybe cut an arc. I'm, I'm not necessarily sure that every arc plays a major role in essentially the conclusion to what we got in the anime. So I'm a, I am going to knock it for that. The pacing issues and just like how we got there. But Eileen, love her. Shout out. One of the best girls this season. Lots of fun. Love the the wardrobe selections that they use in the show. I thought that was really, uh, not unique, but well-crafted, well done to the point where a lot of shows, oh, well, vil the other villainous show does a really good job at this as well, but maybe that's just like a staple in villainous, like style Otome games. I'm going to think about going forward and pay more attention to like their outfits, but this was really, the outfits were really done really well. 
I had a fun time. It's just more of the pacing issues um, that I didn't necessarily like. The duck jokes were fine. Uh, I, I don't see why it was a duck and why it was that funny, but it was it was okay. The comedy was okay. Uh, that being said, I'm going to give it a six. It was a good time. I would recommend it if you're a fan of like villainous style shows, these Otome style shows. It was a good, enjoyable watch. Ooh, probably my least favorite show of the season, Uzaki-chan season two, where we got to the point in Uzaki. If you haven't seen season one, now I used to recommend season one. Now I don't know just because of this second season. Don't, they're, they're in college and like, they're like 20 and they can drink and neither of them have a boyfriend or held hands or kiss somebody. And it just drives me crazy where it's like, they're not portrayed as like losers or people who have never had an opportunity as at romantic interest. I just wish they used their words. You're at the point in the story now where progression can happen. I get season one. You're setting it up. That's fine. The comedy was all right. Season two was a lot of the same shit, and that's not what I'm looking for And when you're progressing the story. The second season, I need the development that I'm looking for. And it, it was always, like, the misunderstanding, the accidental, like, oh, they both fell asleep, and then it looks like they're cuddling. Like, why not just do that as adults, because that's what you are, and then just do that going forward. And they didn't do that, and... It, it drives me crazy in some of these shows where it's drawn out for more content. If you read Blue Box and Shonen Jump, it's the same thing where as soon as you think something, a little bit of development's going to happen, roadblock. Get through the roadblock. You think a little bit of progression's going to happen between these two, roadblock. It's like, come on, get to the point already. And I think you could still develop them with the comedy as a couple. And that's what I wanted. Uh, pros with Uzaki. Uh, the mom was introduced in season one and is way more prevalent in season two. Uzaki mom, big plus. I thought Uzaki's sister was fun as well. She was kind of like a voice of reason for Uzaki at points and couldn't understand why her 19 slash 20 year old sister can't admit feelings for somebody. I thought that she was kind of fun in that aspect the dad stuff i did like parts of it i did like the overbearing like don't take my daughter thing when he found out it was actually the main character who was like um meeting up with his daughter like that aspect of it however there's also some points where i thought it was just like way too much in my face i don't need this right now and to be honest with you uzaki-chan season two was just a mediocre comedy uh, the romance wasn't there like I wanted it to be. And really the highlight of the season was I liked Uzaki's mom, which is bad to say because it's not about her. It's about the other Uzaki. So I'm going to give the show a five. I thought it was okay. Uh, I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm really questioning myself whether I would recommend Uzaki going forward or not. I'm going to say probably not, but yeah, just read, read Takagi or watch Takagi if you like the style of comedy and romance i guess oh this show next up um beast hammer was was a show it existed and it did things i thought that it was going to be something else other than what it was and that's what i get for being naive 
the aspect of their harem where he signed the main character signs these blood contracts with these advanced beasts that all happen to be girls that all happen to like him and he gets power from it so then they encourage him to get more contracts with more spirit beasts or whatever they're called so he can get stronger and they can be a stronger party and then his harem grows so his harem grows by getting stronger and on the surface that seems pretty silly and i'm even laughing right now thinking about like what beast hammer was trying to do like trying to hide the fact that it's we're not actually a harem it's like you you are a harem like it's for sure setting up to be a harem uh the two main girls i thought were a bunch of fun i really enjoyed their dynamic at in in the cast it was more of along the lines of like the later stuff where nothing happened between the group other than them uh, fighting and then getting more spirit beast. And I, I said this earlier where I hate the trope of evil people being evil to be evil with no real driving force. And that Duke's son, there's a scene where it's like that demigod where he's like kicking her for like 45 seconds to the point where I dropped it two points. And I was considering dropping the entire show. It's just him kicking a little girl for like almost a minute. I'm like, we get it. He's really evil, like really evil. And he should probably die, but it, it just crazy stuff like that. Where it's just like this show does so many things poorly like that. Um, establishing the harem was really bad. I did not like it at all. Um, the fights were pretty boring as well, where they are very strong and they punch people very hard. And they always win. There's never an ounce of doubt. I mean, let's be real. It's anime. But I, I thought them establishing a threat was just so out of left field at the end. Where he's like corrupted and he becomes like this giant whatever dude. And then he's destroying the city and how will we stop him? It's like, well, let's all team up together and teleport and punch him in the face. And... I just, I just didn't like how that stuff was handled. I really enjoyed more of along the lines of them, like finding a house and getting lunch and their conversations as a group. That was to me what I liked about beast tamer and not the actual taming of the beast. Also for evil being the sake of evil, the whole party dynamic of why he got kicked out of the party was so fucking stupid. Oh my God. Like he in the they essentially hired the main character to be a, a a human backpack essentially, and then they kick him out of the group, and then they don't have a backpack anymore, and then they struggle with all of this like nuanced stuff that they didn't know before, and it's just like yeah, duh, like no shit, like you're the how are you a part established party and not realize that you need somebody to handle the travel and the carrying everything and all this stuff. And then they're just like so overly evil. It can't take an ounce of like being humbled and saying, sorry. It's like, nah, we have to be very evil. So we make the main character look really good. And I drives me crazy. Oh my God. That drives me absolutely nuts. Uh, be same for the most part. If you like generic harem, Isaka, that's not he's guy. I feel like generic, Harem fantasies, 
where the main character is super overpowered and gets seven girls. This is the show for you. I'm going to give it a five. It was at some parts fine. At most parts bad. I'm going to average that out to about a five. It is what it is. B Samer. Hope it doesn't get a second season. Yeah, that anime is done. Uh, all right. How about something that I liked a little bit more, but I still had my issues with Bibliophile Princess. I thought the concept of this was really something I really thought I was going to enjoy more. However, I didn't like how Damsel, the main character, was at points. I didn't like how the driving force of like the plot was like through her not being liked by people essentially like a lot of people don't like her because she's like reads books and is quiet and is super nice even like the first two episodes is about that and trying to get with the prince that she's engaged to and it it just seemed I don't know how to describe it. It didn't really seem like there was like an overarching plot to this story. Um, this one's over here like really quick because I don't want to trash it too much because maybe it gets better. And there are things I liked about it. I thought that she was like a very well-designed character. And I loved her and her, her fiance's dynamic of being there. They're like engaged politically, but then they actually do fall in love with each other. And I like their dynamic, but like, that's it. Like if they were together, I really wasn't enjoying this show. I'm gonna give it a six. I'm gonna keep it light and sweet. It was fine. It, it, it was fine. I think more people are going to like this more than me. Um, but it was just a fine show. And I don't want to hate on it too much because I can see things. Why people would enjoy this show. I think this more falls under the lines of it's not bad. It's just not for me type of thing. And that's what this show is. So I'm gonna give it a six. It was, it was fine. I like the dynamic. Ooh. Okay. This show I'm reviewing it as now. Um, there's one episode left, but I think I can properly judge the show. Isekai uncle or uncle from another world. Um, just a show where I thought it looked terrible the concept seems stupid and then i got into it and i thought it was one of the funniest anime i've ever seen in my entire life as somebody who grew up in i, I was maybe like 10 years too old for this era but i did have like a sega growing up i did have like these consoles and being resonated with the style of games that the uncle is essentially basically his entire life and Shinibio style character that he had in the other world around. So I get that part. So I can a little resonate with that. I'm more along the lines of the, of the uncle's like nephew. That's kind of me in real life. He just like me for real. Ah, man, where, where to start with the show? The OP, it's kind of like Chainsaw Man. All those Sega references were really fun. I think there was a few that I could figure out like the Ninja Gaiden I, I got right away. Um, his character is essentially one of the ninjas from Ninja Gaiden as well in the other world. And the song itself was really well done. I like the mix between kind of how they incorporated his past life into real life, whether it's using his powers to make sure that he doesn't have to wait for shipping. He can just fly to wherever and pick it up immediately. And then also using his prior memories as sort of like a movie theater 
and that the entire cast is kind of just watching his life back as he was in the other world and seeing the events that happened throughout. Uh, I will say this show will be a zero out of 10. If he does not get with the elf by the end of the story, I love their dynamic. I know people hated the, the fact that the running joke that was, he's so ugly in this other world that they thought he was an orc. I thought that was hilarious. I, I don't really remember a time where a show used its fantasy elements like that to describe somebody's looks um, other than being like literally calling somebody ugly. Like you're, you're ugly as like an orc to the point where in this story, he's so ugly. It's not that he looks like an orc. They think he is an orc. And so really enjoyed that aspect. The comedy was hitting for me. I can see why people do not like this show at all. A hundred percent. If you are not a fan of like, Understanding, like, maybe, like, video game references, since there's so many Sega references in the show, I can see how, like, sometimes the comedy doesn't land for you. And, but to me, that, I like, like, this video game style of fantasy comedy where he is overpowered to an extent in the other world, but he kind of just doesn't use it to an advantage like other people would, because, like, if he wanted to, he could have, like, a harem or like an elf wife and money and riches in this other world. And he doesn't do that. And I thought that was a really fun twist on the show itself. So really enjoyed Isekai uncle a lot. We have one more episode. It ran into so many production delays. This cause this aired not even last season, two seasons ago, ran into a production delay re aired this season. And now we are currently in like a COVID break, if I'm not mistaken right now, where it's delayed a week. So I'll be finishing up the last episode of Isekai Uncle sometime in the near future. But we will see. I I don't know when we will be getting it, but I really enjoyed Isekai Uncle through all but one episode. I have to set a nine. I, I love it. This where bibliophile princess was not for me this is for me this this hits for me it's not gonna hit for everybody but this is my style of comedy this is my style of storytelling with the the video game references and the fantasy and the characters themselves and i really enjoyed the animation there's a lot to say about you but i'm gonna give it a nine yeah i really enjoyed it and now to our last show all right we got g witch um just coming off the coattails of watching the final episode today, and holy shit, what a cliffhanger of a conclusion of the first part of which for Mercury, this show has been such a treat. I think they did a really great job of introducing the characters in like this school setting, and really developing the world where it's this geopolitical drama where there's a bunch of shit going on, there's people backstabbing people that are backstabbing the people that are backstabbing the people and just what like being a witch actually means in this society that Soleta's in and how she's kind of been an outcast and Miorin kind of being the one pillar of her stability while she's in school and just what's been taking place how they set it up in the beginning was great, but I mean, let's talk about the ending since it just it just wrapped up. That was probably the best ending to a season, maybe this year. That was they set so many things up for part two, with Nika, um, siding with uh, Jeruk. Is that his name? Is something like that. The the really pretty blonde guy, and they're siding with the humans, but 
there's also like the the war between I shouldn't say the war, but like the conflict between the Spaceians now and the Earthians and the Mercurians, and there's just so many moving pieces. Um we saw Suleta maybe get brainwashed by her mom. I, I think that that's kind of where we're going, where she's able to snap out of it so fast and kind of be this tool of destruction that her mom has designed her to be. The Whether Suleta is a clone or not is also in question. I th I'm pretty sure she is, but I don't think it's like confirmed, confirmed like that's the case. So I'm really intrigued to see how they do all these different setups for Witch of Mercury for the second part, because I think if they can execute this well, then this is going to be like an absolute classic. I am absolutely hooked on what we got from Witch from Mercury. Um, other things that are great about it, the fights were fantastic. Um, as not the biggest mecha guy, I found that the fights were pretty impactful and visually stunning, and at some points pretty fun, so I was a big fan of that. Along with the music and the sound design to this is just impact. Oh my god, it's so good. The OP is really good. My only problem with the OP is I love it, but it sounds very familiar to the B Star season two OP, which is done by the same artist. It kind of has that same vibe and the like, the same like um, cadence to it. So to me, if you never watch B Stars, you probably think that this OP is fantastic, and I still do. But it's like. It doesn't seem as original as I thought it was going to be, which is why it's not like higher up my list. However, I still listen to it um, probably like once a week. I do think it's one of, if I did maybe like a top 10 best OPs of the year, it would probably be in that list, but it's not going to make like the final cut. Um, the music in general, just so good. Um, really made me feel like that this was some space opera epic that I was watching and it really delivered on that, along with just the sound design. I think it, Sunrise does a great job with sound in general, especially with mechs. Uh, we saw it with like Code Geass and their other Gundam properties that they've done before. Uh, but overall for Gundam, uh, enjoyable treat. I think this is setting up to be something fantastic if they can execute what they said in part one. I'm going to give it a nine with like the very high possibility that if they can do what they want to do in the second part, like easily a 10. Like that's how good Wish for Mercury was. So uh, that concludes our seasonal review. Thank you so much for watching if you have made it this far and you want to support the podcast. Best way to do so is like, comment, subscribe, or leave a review on whatever platform you are watching and or listening to us on. This week, uh, for Watch Club, we will be watching the first season of Harley Season Mia. So if you like our Watch Club, look forward to that. Otherwise, we are getting into Anime of the Year season. We will have the nominations coming up. I will be live streaming it on YouTube on a date to be... Um, at a later date, um, right now I think we're shooting for January 21st, uh, that's when I will be doing the, all the nominations, but that's pending, I will, if you want to know the exact date, I will post it on Twitter, um, otherwise follow the YouTube and you'll get a notification. So I just want to say thank you so much for watching and or listening to us, and we will see you next time.